Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cop Option Podcast was brought to you by Wildberry Lodge Coffee Company. Our Kiwi listeners can visit wildberrylodge.coffee and use discount code COLTPOPSHA50 at checkout for 50% off your order of six classics or concentrates. Kia ora and welcome to Film Franchise Fortnite on the Cult Popture Podcast. My name is AJ and I'm joined as usual by Richard. Hi Richard. Hello AJ. Thank you for joining me as usual. Oh, and look, we're here to talk to you guys about film franchises specifically because this is film franchise fortnights where every fortnight we discuss a film franchise and we've uh, talked about all sorts of film franchises Richard we've talked about your classics like the Lord of the Rings trilogy we've talked about I didn't even know that they had sequels like the Land Before Time trilogy and now we're going to dip into a a breed of franchise um, and we'll get we'll talk more about this later but it is seldom dipped into on the show which is a disney mostly straight to dvd Mm. (laughs) franchise you know based off off one successful film and that is of course the little mermaid this is the little mermaid trilogy this is so this is based on hans christian anderson's 1837 fairy tale but specifically this is disney's the little mermaid trilogy because when we cover franchises based on public domain properties it's like no no this is the disney franchise we're not we're not going to cover every single little mermaid movie yeah just the disney ones (laughs) yeah yeah this this like person that doesn't actually exist imaginary straw yeah no one's actually told me this but um yeah, so this is one of those Disney franchises which used the massive success of its first film to spin off into an animated TV series, a live show, and two half-assed cash-grabbing straight-to-DVD sequels, which we'll be talking about today. It's also a milestone for two reasons in Disney canon, uh, one of which people probably know about and one of which I didn't know about till I did the research. Uh, not only was the original Little Mermaid in 1989 uh, the first of Disney's now famous renaissance period which followed through from this film until Tarzan in 1999 Uh, but the third film in the series Ariel's Beginning was actually the final direct-to-video Disney sequel after John Lasseter took over as chairman for the Disney animation division so we are talking today about a franchise which bookended the rise and fall of the renaissance era of Disney Mm. Um, I read a whole bunch of potentially cancelled Disney straight-to-DVD sequels um, that were cancelled because John Lasseter was like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Um, yeah. And, hey, can you tell us any of them? Yeah, there was like um, Treasure Planet 2 and like Snow White 2, like a bunch of ones that I was like, huh, uh, you could have told me this actually does exist. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, I would have been like, oh, yeah, probably. Pa- Patch's New Groove was one of them. Um, Aladdin oh. 4 
There was like Ooh. the Brave Little Toaster goes to the circus, which I feel like mm-hmm. we should have mentioned on the Brave Little Toaster episode, but I didn't read it in any research during that episode. So oh. maybe it's not real. Well, I'll be ding dang <laughs> dong. Fuck, I'm, right. I'm real tired, eh? I <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um this is the second intro to this episode we've recorded. Um And we might there might be a third. <laughs> <laughs> um the first one we 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 hung a lampshade on the fact that um we were both off our game a little bit. Um mm. and and I I've just i I've just awoken from a nap. Um yeah my hand was like a little bit of sleep because i think i slept on it funny um oh. and yeah here i am here <laughs> straight I am. straight from from the oven to your doorstep to my doorstep the yeah. oven being your bed and the doorstep being our little zoom chat window where do you know maybe it's because our cameras are turned off so we can't see mm, each other we're not so um, there's feeding off each other's energy yeah, there's a lack of humanity going on. I'm going to turn my camera on just for a second so that we can you can see me. Oh, I've, now I feel so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> so, Richard, The Little Mermaid <laughs> came out in 1989. It was directed by Ron Clements and John Musker. Um, and uh, do you know what it has on, on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, 96%. 93%, so essentially 96%. You know, the, the difference is, is infinitesimal. Uh, mm. Well, is three infinitesimal? What do you think is like the... the What, what in your mind, is there a big difference between 93% and 96% on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, no, I, I, w- I would say it's infinitesimal. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you for backing me up there. Infinitesimal is one of those weird words where it's like... It's essentially infinite small. There's just like mm. one extra letter in it. <laughs> and one letter missing as well, if we want to be technical about it. But I mean, the, the difference between infinitesimal and infinite small is, it's tiny. At both times, infinitesimal and infinite. Mm. Wow. Can you tell me what The Little Mermaid is about? It's about a very, very small mermaid uh, <laughs> uh, named Ariel, uh, who is a, a classic Disney princess. She's a daughter of uh, King Triton, who rules Atlantica with an iron fist. And she wishes to be able to walk to, to, to go up where the humans are um, because she's she's sick of her mermaid lifestyle. Uh, the bottom half of her is like a fish. The top half <laughs> is like a, a woman. And ah. <laughs> oh, that's why they call it that. <laughs> uh, and she makes a, a deal with her aunt Ursula, um, who... Is she, uh, is she your aunt? Uh, Ursula is Triton's sister, I believe, yes. I th- I think I read that was a deleted scene, so I don't know if it's canon. Mm. Do they refer to her as her aunt at all? I thought it was just, it was just the sea witch Ursula. Ursula. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm, I'm reading into that too much. What, all fish people are related? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, so anyway, They're not even the same f- like fish animal below the I waist. know. I think... Um, <laughs> And something um, anyway. <laughs> uh yeah, in um 
and so she, yeah, she makes a trade because she's known for her like singing voice and Ursula says, all right, all right, I'll make you a human, but I'll take mm. your voice. However, if you can get true love's kiss, yeah. uh, you can stay human forever and I'll give you your voice back, I guess. And yeah. so then she's, she's now human. She washes up on shore. She's already fallen in love with this guy, Eric. And now this um eric uh is is presented with a naked 16 year old who can't talk every man's fantasy um um, and so he he takes her in and um and yeah it's it's this you know typical romantic thing but but there's something off about it because she can't speak um and then yeah, eventually Ursula sees that it's kind of not going her way and that uh, Ariel's going to win their bet. And so mm. she gets in and intervenes and then, yeah, it all turns into this big thing. Uh, but eventually uh, Triton, Ariel's father, changes her into a human permanently, which he could just do, um, mm. and approves her marriage to Eric and she's allowed to live on land yeah it's worth noting as well that she saves eric earlier in the film and Mm. and sings to him as he's waking up and so the only thing he can he remembers about this woman who's who he maybe fell in love with for Mm. saving him was that she had the singing voice so when her voice is taken away it's it's the one like thing she can use to prove who she is to him um which is why ursula steals it because ursula is a cougar and she wants to marry Eric, who I think is also pretty young in the movie. I don't think he's especially older than 16. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Just see if we can find out. Eric had just turned 18 in the film. According okay. to the, well, the novelization. That's fine. Mm. I- I'll allow it. Mm. What did you think? What do you think of this film? What do you think of The Little Mermaid? This is a 93% on Ron Tomatoes, revered by... Uh, animation fans and Disney fans and music fans, but what are you, Richard Martin? Uh, it feels like arguing... you're trying to set me up that that I hate it. Um, but I, uh, I, I actually don't know what you think of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like it feels like you were you were really setting me up to then be like, mm. and I fucking hate it. No, it's good. <laughs> it, it is good. It's it's mm. a classic for a reason. It's um it's got. Uh, great music and i think it's one of those things where like a lot of these disney movies uh the the songs are actually kind of like front loaded on the film and so i always like the last half hour of it they're a bit more spread out in this one than than something like aladdin but yeah the the last kind of half hour of this film like i completely forgot that ursula comes on to land like takes a human form and steals (laughs) uh ariel's voice and is like Look at me! Don't you recognize this voice? Um, yeah, I, 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 I was like, I see that for the first time. I was like, what the fuck. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 a good movie. It's it's a good movie. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about you know some of the things that haven't aged well, like they always there always is in these Disney movies. Sure. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I get it. 
I get it. Yeah, so I, because I, how many times had you seen this? Because I feel like every family had like one or two Disney movies that yeah. were like their Disney movie. This was not one of mine. I I think this might, watching it for the podcast, I think might have legitimately been like the second time I'd wow. seen this movie. I can only remember watching it at one other point in my life. Yeah, I mean, out of the Renaissance, the ones that were like on repeat in my house, I think, like The Lion King was probably the main one and yeah. Aladdin as well. Uh, but The Little Mermaid was definitely part of that, but there was a lot more my sister than me. Mm. And so I, I'd seen it a lot, but I don't know how many times I would have actually sat down and watched the entire film. Yeah. Know? The Lion King, Aladdin, and Hercules were the big ones in my family. Mm. Hercules may have been the biggest one of all, which is funny because I'd say it's probably the worst film of those yeah. three as well. But yeah, I mean, there's like, uh, yeah, I mean, like Mulan, I watched it for the first time last year. Mm. Um, and Pocahontas, I might have only seen once. Rescuers Down Under, I've never seen. Never seen it. Never seen it. That, I hate that that technically counts as being part of the yeah. Renaissance. It's like it was just made in that time period. It's yeah, not it just really... happened to come out between Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the um, it's the Edward Norton's Incredible Hulk of the Disney it's, Renaissance. It's the why of um, Disney Renaissance. It, like why, like, like the 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 vowel the vowel yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so we we both watched the 2019 live show as we, did you watch all of it uh, i i yep yeah it's okay if you didn't it's not some people saw me log it on letterbox on our um discord and i just want to say it's not canon you don't have to it's yeah, not canon that's to the, the thing, podcast but it, it is it's this weird thing where like if you go on disney plus and you search the little mermaid it comes up as a result and because mm. it's part of the wonderful world of disney series which is like we explain it on the the love bug episode but the um the love bug directed by peyton reed starring bruce campbell was also mm. part of that series so it's like it's made for television but it's also kind of like a movie thing yeah, yeah. It, it felt like it's not we sh- we shouldn't include it as part of the episode like it's not like all right and now it's time to talk about this and it's gonna no. be a thumbnail but this is just <laughs> you can't and it, and it also kind of doesn't qualify for film franchise follow-ups but if we are saying look we've seen it um we're aware of it um then you know no one can point out to us yeah. that we didn't yeah and it's also basically just the animated version but every time it gets to a song it breaks for live performers yeah. to do an objectively worse version of that song yeah um, yeah but it is it, it is kind of cool um some of the some of the the stage um i don't know yeah. what you call and also it, the like casting stunts of, are cool. of shaggy as sebastian is great yeah. he's not yeah. great in it but it's great casting no yeah yeah absolutely um i thought the the live show really highlighted to me how music really is one of the only things going for the little mermaid i was (laughs) like the the music and the animation and both of those are like 10 out of 10 so therefore Mm. it's you know i gave it four four stars or so on on letterbox right but like because i don't think the story is particularly compelling you mentioned dated things this is one of the go-to examples people talk about when they talk about you know the the sort of um 
underlying anti-feminist stories that mm. Disney used to do because it's about a, a woman who gives up her voice to be with a man and, and she's mm. also she's also very young and I feel like that it's never it it's this is addressed in Frozen <laughs> but not in the movies that that <laughs> you know allowed yeah. for Frozen to exist that like she she doesn't even really talk to Eric but then she has a tantrum with her father and tells her, him that she's in love with this guy even though like I'm on Triton's side, at least in terms of like I don't I don't think he should have destroyed all the stuff that she has in her room. But it's like he's right. You shouldn't like throw away your life to try and get with a dude that you didn't even technically meet. You know. Yeah. Um. But the uh the what the what's great about the music I think in The Little Mermaid is I feel like it's the only tentpole animated Disney classic where the musical format feels like it's intrinsically linked to the story and the protagonist like like Ariel clearly like singing is like a passion of hers mm. um, Eric I can only recognise her through her song and the significance then of her losing her voice all feels like it's tied to the musical element of the film as opposed to it's a story about whatever and also they sing songs which you know I feel like every other disney animated movie kind of is um and and so i think that's cool and i I think it's especially important then that the these songs are so highly regarded in this film and i've written here uh let's talk about the songs because there's a whole story with uh the the music the what do you call it like the musical directors for the show for the movie which is so alan menken and howard ashman yeah alan Alan menken did the music and how um howard ashman did the did the lyrics and mm. if you want to learn more about howard ashman there's a, a documentary a very interesting documentary on disney plus called howard um i say it's very interesting not very good it's kind of a weirdly made documentary right. but there's some really interesting footage in it and and he's a super interesting like super interesting career yeah and there's like there's some great like behind the scenes footage of him like directing jody benson's performance uh singing part of your world and Mm. so howard ashman was kind of like this this rising star and he made a little shop of horrors was was kind of what really you know broke him into the into the big time um because that was that's an adaptation of a non-musical thing that he adapted into a musical and um yeah he he was kind of brought on as as disney's golden boy and and the little mermaid was their first thing they made together and uh yeah i mean you know the music speaks for itself and it's that's incredible he then went on to also do uh beauty and the beast uh but then midway through working on aladdin um he he died of aids right and so he for aladdin he did uh prince ali Friend Like Me and Arabian Nights, which are the three songs mm-hmm. sung by the genie. And then, uh, then it was kind of reworked. Tim Rifes took over and, and Aladdin was kind of reworked and songs were shuffled around, but they kept those three songs from Ashman. And, right. you know, they're the best songs in the movie, no matter what um, a whole new world fans will tell you. <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 the kind of the, the thing about Howard Ashman is that like he, he really, he gets it. And this is like a praise that we save for very specific people on this podcast. And I don't know if we've <laughs> Have we really like about addressed yeah. the fact that it's like kind of a running joke. Um, but we talk about this a lot off pod is the idea of, of someone getting it. And that's like the highest praise we can give someone. And when it comes to musicals and writing songs, like yeah, Howard Ashman gets it. And there's this, this quote from him 
that's used quite a lot um I, I see it in video essays and shit all the time but he talks about when uh m- music music in a musical should exist that when emotion gets too high for dialogue you start singing and when it gets too high for singing you start dancing and that's how you tied it and then you see that in like part of your world and under the sea and yeah it's 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 like i would say that probably on the whole between lion king and little mermaid like those are the probably the two strongest overall for me Mm. uh in terms of like just music overall like my my favorite songs might come from elsewhere but like just on that consistent level like you got party of world uh under the sea kiss the girl le poisson all from this movie (laughs) Uh, and and yeah yeah they're, they're they're fantastic it won it won an academy award for um under the sea it also won the, the award for best original score um but yeah under the sea won the award it beat kiss the girl part of your world was not even nominated and part of your world is like w- one of the greatest songs ever written it's like it's a perfect like i want song and it's well, just, the original i want song well. yeah and it, it's I mean, you know, as far as Disney I Want songs go, but... No, they, they coined the term I Want song. Like, Minkin and, and Ashman coined right, the right, term. Right. So, in that sense, it was the first I Want song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but and part of your world, famously, um, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was at the time the, the head of Disney, uh, watched the cut of the film and was like, yeah, cut it. Um, kids get bored because uh, they yeah, yeah, they yeah. did screenings of it and kids would get rowdy during the scene and mm. um essentially they they said that uh there was a similar thing with over the rainbow was nearly cut from wizard of oz and right uh yeah ashman was essentially like yeah i'm fucking walking if you yeah like i'm mm. taking all my songs with me and i'm leaving if you cut that song and uh yeah and then if you watch interviews with jeffrey katzenberg now i think they talk to him in that and that howard documentary he's just like yeah yeah i thought it should go like fuck me right like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's the right attitude to have yeah but it's it's like he's not completely come round to it but he's he'll admit he's wrong right well, <laughs> it's that's, like he still I mean, thinks that's... he's right but he's like yeah history says i'm wrong you know yeah that's what a good producer does though isn't it <laughs> it's like yeah. it's not about like your artistic appreciation for things it's about well the the results speak for themselves mm. um it's crazy you, you say uh that part of your world is one of the greatest songs ever written and it's crazy that the one of the greatest songs ever written by your standards has words like thingamabobs and who's yeah, it's yeah. and what's it's in the lyrics um my maybe least favorite lyric or at least the one that always sticks out to me is uh betcha on land they understand they don't reprimand their daughters yeah and it I, whenever I hear it, I'm like, it's like Ariel recently learnt the word reprimand and mm. was looking for a way to implement it into her everyday vocabulary. Because <laughs> like, mm. I do that. You you go back and listen to the podcast over the past six years, you'll find like <laughs> me uh. saying words like um, ubiquitous is one that I, I started saying on pod and then say all the time now. And it's, mm. It feels like she, a day earlier she learnt the word reprimand and was like, yeah. I'm going to use that. <laughs> uh, oh, I had a word like that, um, but I can't remember what it was. And I've been, and I've been thinking I've been meaning to use that on the podcast. Mm. But I, can't, I can't remember what it is now. I can't wait. I can't wait to find out what it is and then also use it. <laughs> um, 
No, so you you reckon part of your world's the best best song in in the movie? Uh, well, it's one of those things where I like I feel like part of your world's the best, but I'm probably under the seas my favorite. I don't know. Yeah, like, I was, I was so watching good. when I was watching the live show last night, um, and I was I was so like I just didn't really want to watch it because I was essentially just rewatching the first. Yeah, film. yeah. <laughs> um, but and and me and me and Emily um were were just making fun of it the whole time, and then under the sea came on and i was just silent for the whole thing because i'm yeah. so enamored i'm the the lyrics in this are world class like i've got the got the mm. lyrics up now i love um um i mean they're not particularly obscure lyrics and a lot of people uh, know them but like um what do they got a lot of sand we got a hot crustacean band is like fuck <laughs> where you tapped into the the creative ether and found that lyric in there, Howard yeah. Ashman. You know, like a hot crustacean band. That's yeah. awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah. And I also love um, the the end of the song, which is um, each little slug here cutting a rug here under the sea. Each little snail here know how to whale here. That's why it's hotter under the water. <laughs> yeah, we in luck here down in the muck here under the sea. Um, mm. And I'm trying very hard to not do a not a Jamaican but a Trinidadian accent uh, because that would be offensive. And I've lived my whole life being told it's not offensive to do accents only to discover in my mid-20s that it was <laughs> <laughs> um but i do like the thing that howard ashman talked about that like you know that the building of emotion because there's there's like a big um almost like a dance break in the song kind of thing and mm. it, it is like the the performance of um of sebastian of uh what's his name uh samuel e. Wright as sebastian is mm. yeah you can you can it starts off as just like oh come on like let me tell you about how good the sea is and then he's like fuck yeah the sea is actually fucking mean <laughs> like when the sea fucking rocks eh? <laughs> yeah and by the end of it and then and it's and it's he gets so distracted a similar kind of thing happens in uh i just want, can't wait to be king where it's like everything gets so big that yeah, mm. the, the characters are able to sneak away um yeah yeah because yeah. The, the, they just get so into the song and it, it, it's yeah it's a great the, the way it builds is is really good and it's and the performance and the animation of Sebastian like really, really help to um to yeah. sell that. But there is one thing that I discovered because there's um Nobody Beat Us Fried Saint Edith in Frikassi. Um which is interesting <laughs> because I, I looked into what Frikassi actually is, um, and it's like a, a a stewed or fried pieces of meat um served in a thick white sauce. And you actually don't really make it with um seafood right <laughs> it's like it's genu- it's generally chicken um beef or rabbit um or like veal but yeah no like the the, the wikipedia page for free how would explain yeah um we're now we're just tearing down this legend's work (laughs) yeah like reprimand their daughters and freak us see what are you talking (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so funny like yeah just the line and but like because the thing about the reprimand their daughters it it does stick out to me a little bit but like not from just the use of the word reprimand but it's such like a 16 year old uh, girls thing of like Bit on land that they don't get told off by their dads. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> it's something yeah, that when they when they misbehave, on land. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's like that's part of growing up, kid. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think the the problem here is not that Ariel thinks these things, but that the movie doesn't go. You know, she's a teenage girl. The movie seems yeah, yeah. to be 
told by a teenage girl almost like mm. you're supposed to sympathize with her perspective not be like ah classic teenagers even though watching this as an adult that's what it feels like <laughs> yeah um i also i do like uh kiss the girl as well though it's definitely the um the uh, yeah. lisa heard one on from my perspective um yeah and it's also kind of the most problematic because it's all like Hey, she likes you. There's only one way to find out. Just fucking plant one mm. on her. <laughs> mm. Um, and it's like, no, yeah. no. There's, there's other ways. You, she like, she could communicate ways. through nods and, um, and you yeah, know. absolutely. So, uh, and then there's poor unfortunate souls, which I always oh, felt fuck was yeah. more, one of the more weaker. Was do you like that one? I love that. Song, I feel man. like that's one of the weak. Really? Okay. Oh, no, honestly, honestly, I love that song. I'm glad you brought it up because I'd forgotten about it. But um... <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. I, <laughs> I can't even remember how it sounds. Like it, it doesn't stick with me as much as other Disney villain songs. What, what for me? I, I, I love "Poor Unfortunate Souls" as a Disney villain song because it's like it's a song about how great she is. And it's but, but in a way like <laughs> like I mean I guess that's not but like it, it, the I phrase that poorly but it's a song about how kind and caring she is and how oh mm. I'm so embarrassed because I'm actually a really yeah. nice person and it's it's such a mm. funny angle to take with that song because the whole thing is like oh yep please don't laugh but I actually. I I'm really helpful with my magic. I'm, okay, I'm and a it's really like yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sometimes, sometimes, yeah, people couldn't pay it. I had to, you know, <laughs> trap their soul or whatever. But I'm actually <laughs> like, I love helping people. Um, and yeah. I have and uh, Her- Pat Carroll, who voices Ursula, like incredible performance. And as recently mm. as last year, is still voicing Ursula in things. The 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 wonderful world of Mickey Mouse on Disney Plus. That's like the kind of the retro throwback shorts yeah a 93 year old pat carroll voiced <laughs> ursula in that and kudos to her she still sounds incredible that's the um that's the benefit of of being a pre-celebrities starring in your animated movie disney movie is that your your legacy can feel a little more authentic because you don't have to try and get these like a-list celebrities back to voice the characters they voiced in 1989 mm. you know like jody benson has been playing it still plays ariel she played her in wreck it ralph 2 um i think the guy who played triton got cancer and i think the guy who plays sebastian still plays him um mm. but yeah like None of these people are, are, you know, like famous outside of voice acting. Well, circles, a lot of them have, I like, guess. have, you know, they had um, 70s and 80s, like, TV credits kind of thing. But, right. Yeah, right. it wasn't like, because yeah. Robin Williams and Aladdin was the first, um, mm. or, you know, if you want to be technical about it, Robin Williams in that other movie he did. What was that called? Um, oh, God. Uh, R- River Valley. No, Fern Gully. Uh, Fern Gully, yeah. <laughs> uh, was like the first time they cast like a star and the film was was um you know marketed around like yeah we got a star although there's oliver and company which has like huey lewis and stuff on it um but that kind of that wasn't enough to like spark it but robin williams and aladdin was the first time it's like fuck like people will actually come and see an animated movie because of the person doing the voice Mm. yeah yeah 
Um, here's the lyric that I think you're talking about from Poor Unfortunate Souls. It says, Now it's happened once or twice, someone couldn't pay the price, and I'm afraid I had to rake him across the coals. Yes, I've heard the odd complaint, but on the whole, I've been a saint to those poor unfortunate souls. Yeah, it's, it's good it's, stuff. It's, it's <laughs> such a great... Um, <laughs> it's it's very, very fun lyrics. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. So some of these songs were adapted and changed in the 2019 live show, and I couldn't believe that tamper with like this unanimously praised like piece of pop culture, like the soundtrack to the Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's also an added song which Ariel sings to herself while she's staying with Prince Eric, and it pissed me off so much because I get that she it's like she's internal, like it's mm. an internal performance. She's not literally singing, but like that part of the story is so contingent on not hearing her sing, like mm. the. It, it spoke to like a fundamental misunderstanding of the source material i felt because yeah. it's like no you don't hear her sing now that's that's yeah, the yeah. sacrifice you know and because they never they never draw attention to the fact that she's always singing or anything it just is a thing it's very it's kind of kind of like very classily understated in the movie but as i said i feel like it it creates this this magic in the in the film itself compared to other disney movies where singing is just incidental hmm. So my main takeaway from watching this movie now, though, is that Sebastian is clearly the best character. Um, <laughs> and every film in the series, which we'll talk about in a sec, this isn't just a podcast where we talk about one movie. Um, every movie in the series could be restructured so that he's the protagonist. <laughs> like, the the first Little Mermaid is basically get him to the Greek, where Sebastian is tasked with babysitting a misbehaving character by someone who controls his livelihood, right? Like, Triton's like, you have to supervise the Little Mermaid. And so... It, it, it's actually actually it kind of feels like it's his story about like he you know lets his guard up for a second and she fucking becomes a human you know and, and now mm. he's got to follow her onto land or else he's going to get in trouble from king triton and i was like this feels like the more compelling story here is and and I, that it's totally that thing where it's like it's hard for me to take this seriously when it's told from the perspective of a silly teenage girl whereas you know a jamaican crab sorry a trinidadian crab i can get behind um <laughs> you know i don't uh, know it's, where, it's, where are you getting trinidad daddy in from by the way sorry uh well imdb trivia so it might not be true actually because oh, yeah, um, wikipedia calls him a jamaican crab yeah they, they do um yeah the, uh, but uh what's yeah, the uh, voice uh, actor's uh, name uh, uh, no no the voice actor he's, he was like nah it's trinidadian all right but the the one thing that does piss me off about sebastian though richard mm-hmm. is he doesn't look like a crab like the every other creature in the little mermaid looks like approximately realistic you know in terms of the style crabs don't have these little like human-esque heads that pop out of the shell mm. they're just all flat and, and it just it feels so inconsistent with the rest of the art style of all the creatures and i, I just I could, well i'm know, sure that'll be fixed up- by a horrific sebastian in the um live action <laughs> film yeah absolutely the because the i i looked up um what kind of crab is sebastian yeah. because i was like well maybe it's like a specific yeah, kind yeah. of crab that actually does look like that and I, I was like what type of crab is sebastian and it's like jamaican crab and i was like oh what is a jamaican oh, right <laughs> like, a jamaican crab isn't isn't like a breed of crab it's not like yeah. a king crab or a hermit crab it's just he's a jamaican crab like, okay. <laughs> That's so and like <laughs> there's like who answers that are like is sebastian a lobster because he looks more like a lobster than a crab and i'm like flounder's not a flounder but he looks like a fish you know i don't know what do you think 
Uh, I think, uh, I mean, if you want to use Yahoo Answers, you better fucking hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> I love when 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 um, current events catch up with with this podcast. Another fun thing is that um, Prince Philip is the name of of another Disney prince uh, mm. who just died at the time of recording. Yeah. The real Prince Philip just died. So. At ninety nine, he was only a year away from getting his message from the Queen. <laughs> one thing interesting about uh little mermaid is like we've we've spoken a lot about projects that have been like stuck in development how usually like sequels that took a long time to get made but the little mermaid might have like one of the longest production cycles we've ever covered absolutely yeah yeah um because it was actually original development for it started um just after 1837 snow white. <laughs> when, he, when the book was written <laughs> no just after snow white and the seven doors came out in 1937 so it actually was in development for like over 50 years it was and it, if you it, add that yeah. the the original story it's 150 years yeah <laughs> no yeah it, it had been it, and like the the reason people call it the disney renaissance period because like people of our age probably don't know this it's you know it's only when i've looked into it that i've actually learned what the renaissance period is and it's like between the 50s and the 90s like disney was suffering like it's crazy to think of now but they had a bunch of like commercial failures there like you mentioned oliver and company before like films like that that just mm. didn't land with anyone and there was the um, whole and- thing with don bluth as well yeah yeah exactly yeah. what would so like he he was he used to work for disney is that what you're talking about yeah and he was like uh yeah 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 he he started a rival production company which was like doing right, yeah. better yeah yeah um so and that's why the little mermaid is so significant it's also the first fairy tale they've done in decades um mm. and now it's like you almost associate disney exclusively with fairy tales mm. now well, not exclusively but like quite heavily with fairy tales um so you yeah, know that that's a that's a great thing to bring up is that it, 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 it it's it's hard to like the little mermaid was such an important film for film in film history not just disney history you know but film history yeah there's one of the final shots of the film is the, the the all the mermaids waving goodbye to like the wedding party mm. and this rainbow shoots across the sky and i was so caught off by this shot because it looks like it's from a different movie i was like it looks like this is from the like ten dollar budget knockoff called like the small mermaid you'd find in like <laughs> the warehouse <laughs> bargain bin like it looks or, like a completely or different animation bin for or, or walmart yeah mm. um and and I was like, I didn't think too much of it. I wasn't going to bring it up. But then when I was looking for dumb IMDb trivia, I found this piece of trivia. Uh, the wedding scene at the close of the film, specifically the penultimate shot of the wedding barge leaving under the rainbow while the merfolk wave goodbye, marked one of the first uses of CAPS, Computer Animation Product System, in a Disney feature. Oh. CAPS is a digital ink and paint and animation production system that colors the animator's drawings digitally as opposed to the traditional animation method of tracing ink and paint onto cells the rest of the film uses hand painted cells uh sorry there's a motorbike going past 
Um, All all subsequent Disney features have used caps instead of ink and paint, and an earlier scene where Ariel runs down the set of stairs also uses cap system for its moving background. The film was intended to be the first Disney animated feature using all digital processes, but at the time, caps wasn't ready. Disney's next animated feature, The Rescuers Down Under, was going to be the first 100% digitally processed film. So the reason that shot stands out to me is because it's literally like, animated differently yeah which it's like that that's why oh, wow, it, yeah, it yeah. feels like it's from a different movie it, it looks like it's You're from at um, uh the curse of monkey island <laughs> sure yeah yeah absolutely. like it's, it's yeah, that yeah. kind of weird animation but there's there's another there's a similar thing with um there's uh, the the talk about like coloring digitally that um the the simpsons episode uh radioactive man about the where they make the movie um it's mm. colored digitally and it was like the only one in the kind of golden era of the simpsons and then the episode where they get a tennis court i can't remember the name of it is um so tennis the menace that was like the first one then then i think that they like actually started coloring them all digitally then but if you go back and watch that radioactive man episode yeah it does look slightly different to all the ones next to it interesting i didn't know that so now we've got some dumb IMDb trivia to talk about, and there's quite a lot, Richard, but it's not in the first like half of the of the trivia page. I had to dig for it. I, I read a very long trivia page for wow. The Little Mermaid to find the, the dumbest gems I could find. If you haven't listened to our show before, dumb IMDb trivia is a section where we go into IMDb trivia because IMDb trivia is user-submitted, which means it doesn't have to pass any kind of quality assurance. It just is written by whoever and can be submitted, right? Um, so here uh, it's some fun pieces of dumb imdb trivia there's quite a lot of them so Hmm. let's 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 race through them and if there's one we want to talk about just you interrupt me okay so here we go ariel is the first disney princess to have biological siblings and when I first read that, I was like, what are you talking? And then I was like, oh, right, because Cinderella had step siblings. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, without that context, it's just such a bizarre thing to say. Um, many fans debate if Ursula is a squid or an octopus based on the number of her tentacles. She only has six tentacles as it was less expensive to draw. However, it has been suggested that her arms could count as the other two. This is like big, like dude explaining, dude, you don't like explaining something to you at a loud party. You know that meme? Yeah. yeah. Like that, that's what it feels like. The, the meme of the guy like um, shouting in this yeah, movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, it has been suggested that her arms <laughs> could count as the other two. Uh, when Ursula first shows Ariel the contract, it quickly scrolls through the body of the text. This is the actual text shown on the scroll. Here's what it says. Um, I hereby grant unto Ursula the Witch of the Sea one voice in exchange for Bion once high Dinyagin Thon Muso Sir on Purakur Ired Moisimpitinrup Monk Gwaki Rich Noi Ramund for all eternity signed. Sorry, you cut out a little bit there. It didn't sound like you. No, no. You heard me. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. And then uh, and another shot of it, it says, I hereby grant unto Ursula, the witch of the sea, one voice for all eternity. But like, clearly it's like they didn't think anyone would read it. So they just mm. p- put random letters down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Uh, the directors insisted that every one of the millions of bubbles should be hand-drawn, not Xeroxed. The sheer manpower for such an effort required Disney to farm out most of the bubble drawing to, a, to Pacific Rim Productions, a China-based firm with production facilities in Beijing. The student uprising in Beijing, China, threatened to delay production. Roughly one-third of the finished cell artwork used by the Chinese artists as underlays for drawing the bubbles were in a vault only a few blocks away from the demonstration at Tiananmen Square and the violence that followed. Jesus. <laughs> what an insane thing to talk about. Like, <laughs> what, you know, link, link the Little Mermaid to the Tiananmen Square massacre. There's <laughs> like, <laughs> quite, a, quite a, an actual link there. Uh, one of the final scenes in the movie where Ursula increases in size to attack Ariel and Eric was influenced by Die Hard. According to the DVD commentary with director's John Musker and Ron Clements, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was the chairman of Disney at the time, had just seen the movie in the theatre, and when he walked out in the studio as they were working on the aforementioned scene, he told them, guys, I want more Die Hard. <laughs> I don't know what this means. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> like, does it just mean he wants it to be like more climactic? It's such a strange way to phrase That's it. classic Katzenberg. <laughs> Jeffrey Katzenberg also, um, for those who might remember, I think we talked about it, is the inspiration for Lord Farquaad in, um, mm. in Shrek, aka Lord, Lord yeah. Farquaad. Yeah. Um, this is something that uh, felt like we needed to mention because this was this is you, I think you know about this as well but there was a widespread rumour in the early to mid 1990s that the priest in the wedding scene has an erection an uh, earlier so in earlier versions of the film it kind of looks like he's got like a boner sticking out through his yeah. pants um, he doesn't. In fact, the shot of the is the priest's knee moving underneath his tunic. Uh, but this didn't deter a enraged moralist, enraged moralists from strenuous protests, even to the extent of filing at least one lawsuit against Disney. In the 2006 Platinum Edition DVD release, the scene has been altered so that the priest is standing on a small platform box, and his knee is no longer visible through his robes. Very funny that someone had the job of reanimating. Mm. Uh, the boner <laughs> the little memory. yeah and that's not the only uh wayward boner um which mm. affected uh, the little mermaid because there's also on the vhs cover the the picture of the palace one of the like the um the like what do you call it? one of the ere- part of the erection <laughs> is a um, <laughs> the steeples very clearly and yeah it's very clearly an erect penis hmm uh, in Greek mythology, Triton is the son of Poseidon. Poseidon is the brother of Zeus. Zeus had a son named Heracles, who is the main hero of Hercules, 1997. This makes Disney heroes Ariel and Hercules first cousins once removed. <laughs> uh, that's cool. <laughs> Uh, in the movie, Ursula's name is not seen is not seen mentioned in Eric's presence, even though he goes on to destroy her in the intense finale and saves Atlantica. It is never established if he even knew the antagonist by name. However, in the film novelization, Grimsby speaks of both Triton and Ursula to Eric, so they were known legends. But in the movie, it cut to under the sea after he spoke of the undersea kingdom and Triton. <laughs> I don't feel like this piece of trivia reaches a point. It's just insane stuff. And it's like, then it spins off into a new sentence. Um, 
Here's here's one of my favorite pieces of dumb IMDb trivia I've ever read. Uh, in the first in the in the song Part of Your World, Ariel asks, What's a fire and why does it burn? It's ironic that shortly after singing this song, Ariel witnesses firsthand the terrible effects of fire when she sees the shipwreck and rescues Eric. <laughs> you asked for this, Ariel. You asked for this. <laughs> Uh, and like finally, <laughs> finally, and this is in the spoilers section um, for The Little Mermaid, Ariel is the first Disney princess to show her behind in her film. You see a quick glance of it when she rises to the surface after becoming a human. The film wouldn't have been rated G if it was shown any longer. <laughs> well, you what, see what her butt. Princess- you pause it, pause it. You see her butt. <laughs> what Disney princesses since then have done it as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. Tell me, please. <laughs> Do you have anything else you'd like to say about The Little Mermaid before we move on to uh, its much less impressive sequels? Yeah, this is more than half the podcast we've already done, mm. I'm sure. Um, yeah. No, it's good. Check it out. <laughs> hey, Richard, uh, before we keep talking about The Little Mermaid, I want to tell our, our listeners and you, but you... I also know some of this information. <laughs> yeah. Um, that this episode of the Cold Popture podcast was brought to you by Wildberry Lodge Coffee Company. What's that? Richard, we have we have a sponsor, Richard. Yeah. We have a sponsor. This has never happened before. <laughs> not yeah. officially. Yeah. We've, we've, we've... <laughs> no, no. Not not with their consent. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, no, we are we are sponsored this episode by Wildberry Lodge Coffee Company and Richard I love coffee. I drink a coffee every morning, all right? And I I get a little uh I get a little queasy if I'm always drinking like a hot coffee every morning. Um and so what's great about the Wildberry Lodge Coffee Company's coffee is that it's actually cold brew coffee. Wow. Isn't that fun? Yeah, Isn't what's cold brew? I've I've never heard of that. You've never heard well let me tell you, Richard, cold brew coffee is coffee that is brewed at cold or room temperatures over the course of hours, not seconds. This low and slow method preserves all the signature flavors of a great single origin coffee while reducing bitter and sour tastes associated with hot coffee. What I imagine that by reducing those bitter and sour tastes as well, uh, you'd probably have many people finding that they don't need milk or sugar if they're drinking cold brew coffee. That's absolutely correct. And for those that find black coffee a little bit too intense, Wildberry Lodge Coffee Company recommends adding some ice or a splash of oat milk or both. I will say um, a fun anecdote about my experience with coffee um, and mm. specifically cold brew. I um, I worked in a very kind of upmarket part of Auckland for a while and uh, these the people from my office said, oh my gosh, we found some cold brew. And I was like, oh, this sounds good. And they would they would sip at it and they would go, oh, it's so sweet. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And then I would try some, not being, you know, a big black coffee drinker myself. Well, not at the time, especially. Um, I was horrified <laughs> because I thought it meant, because to them, they, they, you know, they were used to black coffee and this was this very posh thing where they had these subtle hints of sweetness and i i couldn't um i couldn't bear it um <laughs> but that's the thing about uh wildberry lodge coffee companies um <laughs> cold brew <laughs> is that it actually is that good there you go and wildberry lodge's cold brew coffee is dairy free vegan sugar free with no preservatives it's just coffee and water baby 
Mm, and it's made with a fair trade or organic coffee from Trade Aid, which is roasted, brewed, and bottled by uh, the company at a small factory in Christchurch, which is our hometown where you currently live. Where I currently live. Now, this product is currently only available in New Zealand, and I know a lot of our audience uh, is overseas. So all this means is that all you New Zealand listeners, you've got to go and buy it so that um, we <laughs> are doing doing diligently uh, servicing our sponsor here. Um, and everyone else listening to this who's not from New Zealand, if you could please bully all the New Zealand listeners mm-hmm. into buying Wildberry Lodge cold brew coffee. Uh, that would be great yeah and um, what they, you can buy uh there's two products available there's the classic cold brew coffee which is uh five dollars and that's two servings per bottle or uh if mm-hmm. you're a coffee holic like us uh, you probably only get through <laughs> one uh, uh there's also the cold brew concentrate uh which is ten dollars uh and that's five servings per bottle um or if you're a coffee holic like us <laughs> um you probably should still stick to five it's quite intense <laughs> Um, so Cult Popshire subscribers, we're giving you the discount code Cult Popshire fifty. That's all one word and in caps C U L T P O P T U R E five zero, which entitles you to fifty percent off of orders of six classics or concentrates. Hmm. Um, and f- for so those, who- you're only paying for three. Yeah, they just they, they, they'll just if you if you pay for three, they'll just give you three. You have to you have to you have to request six. It's and good then, coffee, yeah. and and I can confirm that I, I've I've been drinking it every day, and it's really good. And I, if I hated it, I'd be like, "Hey, listen, I, we can't sponsor this." Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you know if it was bad. This is what I always say is when someone's like shows me something they've made. I say, "If it was bad, I wouldn't tell you, but it's really good." <laughs> um, but like, I, I, you say you've been drinking this kind of every day um and so you you're you're freelancing at the moment whereas mm. i'm a bit more on the go i i don't have time to be uh ordering a coffee e- every week you know um does wildberry lodge coffee company have a solution for uh, a workaholic like me they sure do richard uh for those who don't <laughs> want to think about ordering coffee every week wildberry lodge coffee company have a subscription service that does the thinking for you richard for more info Order, order your coffee today. Head over to wildberrylodge.coffee and remember to use discount code COLTPOPSHIP50 to get 50% off of orders of six classics or concentrates. I This is our first sponsor and I don't know if uh, we've If we're going to get a second. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like we've maybe talked for too long, but it's, it's, it's just that worth it, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> so that is wildberrylodge.coffee. That's the name of the website. Use discount code cult popshire 50 for 50 percent off remember dot com those days are in the past dot coffee and now let's get back to the little mermaid all right richard now we're going to talk about the little mermaid 2 return to the sea uh directed by jim camerud brian smith and bill spears what do you think this has on ron tomatoes like 17 percent 17 percent you're dead right uh, and what is The Little Mermaid 2 about? So, uh, it's 12 years later, huh? T- I said tell me, sorry. <laughs> so, it's 12 years later and uh, Ariel and Eric now have, have a daughter. Her name is Melody. Um, and she is a human 
who wishes she could be a mermaid. And <laughs> it's yeah, it's the first film flipped around and she makes a deal with Ursula's sister to uh to become a mermaid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then that's it's kind of there's there's a bit more like uh, I mean th- and I'm sure this isn't actually, like, it, it feels like what it should be, but both this and the third one kind of just feel like backdoor pilots for a TV show. And I know there was a TV <laughs> show, but it came out before either of these. Yes, correct. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's weird because there's a lot of, like, random little side characters like penguins and seals and whatnot who are, um, yeah, who just pop up and it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what it, what did you think? Richard of the Little Mermaid Two: Return to the Sea. Uh, I I I don't know. I didn't think it was very good. <laughs> this is very much going to be the footnote of the episode. It's maybe the least. I want. This is going to be the record for the least. The least we've ever talked about the sequels of a franchise because uh, they're so unnotable. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Hey, eh? like they're not even like you can rip on them that bad. Like. Yeah, they're not ridiculous enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd actually seen this movie before. It was one of those films that you wind up having rented on DVD because of a younger sister. Um, yeah, in my case, an the, older sister. Right. Yeah. Had you seen it before? Uh, I I think I'd seen parts of it. it was because I I was watching it the other day, and and my sister, um, was was here, and she um, she mentioned that she, she remembered seeing it, and that she she rented it and got like an aerial necklace um mm. you know like free with the rental which she still has nice mm. post that on the instagram uh i so the only thing i remembered about this film though was that the penguin was voiced by max casella who's the voice of dexter from jack and dexter oh, yes, uh, the video yes, yes. games um and i was like the, i saw this movie when i was like obsessed with jack and dexter it's all i cared about this was around the time that my uh youth pastor told me that i he was concerned that i i valued jack and dexter over god um that's how into jack and dexter i was so (laughs) a a, a massive treat to be able to uh be told be be able to see like you know casually watching this dumb movie my little sister is watching and then be like that's fucking dexter (laughs) (laughs) except you wouldn't you wouldn't have dared to swear at that time no it wouldn't certainly not in front of mum oh uh, flip that's dexter uh, flip flip that's flipping dexter mum um <laughs> you say that like it's so long but like, when we started this podcast you weren't really swearing that's i'd just taken it up actually when we yeah. started in, in quite a yeah. big way yeah do you want to tell swearing the story about chance. your first swear in a long time okay um so <laughs> i was doing I was doing a uh, like doing tech for a comedy show fr- from um, friend of the podcast Tim Bat. It's actually how Tim and I met, uh, yeah. and he had basically he would record a new monologue every night, and my job was to edit photos taken that night of the audience member into this video so that it would play at the end, and it's sort of like a magic trick. Like, whoa, how did he get this video f- with us in it up online so fast? Yeah. Um, and uh, I was editing one of his videos, and in his narr- in his narration, he said uh, he was talking about the current prime minister, who was a man that nobody liked, named uh, John Key. And he and he said the line like, "Remember when our prime minister wasn't a fuckwit?" Uh, and as I edited this video for him, and as he said "fuckwit," 
I'd cut like I'd cut on the word fuckwit to another photo and I was like oh and I was watching it back and I was like ah oh, does it it kind of looks like I'm implying the person in this photo is the fuckwit right so the yeah. way to, to in, in video editing the way to avoid that is to cut on like an incidental line so you're not associating the word said with the image on screen and so I re-edited it and you know chucked out another version that that didn't cut on fuckwit and then the next day i i returned for it to do his next show and i was telling him the story that i've just told you and um i so i was raised very religious and was sort of at this time so this was early 2016 i was like just transitioning out of my religion basically like in the process of it and i'm telling Um, tim the story and i haven't said the f word since i was like seven years old you know and as i'm telling him the story in my head i'm like you fool you're going to have to say the f word here you can't tell him that you and i was like aj you are not saying f word you are not going to say the word <laughs> F-wit because he's not going to know what you're talking about and it's going to reveal to this person who you want to impress that <laughs> <laughs> that you can't swear for some reason. <laughs> uh, and so I was telling him it and I just said, I just said, fuck with. And it broke the seal inside me. This mm. damn broke. And ever since then, I've been saying fuck a lot, but not doing a lot of fucks, sadly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And that's uh, my story. Well, thank you for sharing I, that. That's it's one of my I think, one of my favorite AJ stories. I think it's sweet that Ariel would name her daughter Melody. I think that's mm. a nice idea. But the music is non-existent, borderline in this film. For yeah, to be, the, 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 the sequel uh, to a movie famous for its music, it's like they yeah. didn't even try with this. Because like the the Lion King sequel has great music exactly i know Great i know that's, that they had a little bit more love behind the scenes but mm. yeah yeah these are just hooey. <laughs> yeah um once again i also i feel like this film could have very easily been sebastian's story as it's essentially i've written a surf and turf swap of the first film <laughs> like now sebastian's looking after melody and i do kind of like that element to it that it's the first film but reversed i think it's yeah i actually kind of like that way yeah Mm. um and i've written here as well richard uh flounder equals millhouse's dad um so (laughs) later in the film Ariel becomes a mermaid again to try and save Melody and she runs into Flounder and she's like, oh my God, Flounder. And Flounder freaks out and swims away. It turns out it's not Flounder. It's a young, it's Flounder's son. And old Flounder comes out and he's now like kind of He's like, uh, (laughs) stay away from my kids. (laughs) (laughs) And he sounds exactly and kind of looks a little bit like Kirk Van Houten, Millhouse's dad, um, who is one of my favorite Simpsons characters and probably the Simpsons character I uh, reluctantly relate to the most. (laughs) So I enjoyed seeing this version of Flounder. (laughs) Yeah, I I can definitely... Uh, uh, yeah, I can see you growing into a Kirk Van Houten type dad. <laughs> it, 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 I, I used to be a Millhouse and I've become a Kirk Van Houten. <laughs> you either die a Millhouse or you live long enough to see yourself become a Kirk. <laughs> yeah. You mean, you sort of alluded to this before, but how annoying is it that it doesn't seem to take a lot of magic, nor does it take anyone special to transform people into mermaids or mermaids into people, right? Mm. Like. We both sea witches, Ursula and her sister, can both do it, like without any 
implements yeah. uh, and trident can just do it without seeming too much of a hassle and it's like what are you what's the problem here hmm. just turn people into mermaids when you want them to come visit yeah, yeah, like that's the thing. Or like, or, or like we saw in fucking Barbie and a Mermaid Tale. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you just had some kind of, you know, necklace that would transform you into a mermaid when you're in the sea. Yeah. Do you think that Little Mermaid Two is better or worse than than the Barb any of the Barbie mermaid mermaid movies? Uh, it's not as good as Barbie and a Mermaid Tale One, right? But it's better than a few of them, right? Okay. Uh, Rob Paulson uh, is joins the cast in this film and he he, he now plays prince mm. eric um which is god what a funny casting choice like <laughs> my the image in, in my mind of um disney princesses is like this voice very hot guy disney yeah. voice you know rob paulson if you don't know is the he's voice carl of from in animaniac. Jimmy yeah, neutron. yeah he's carl from jimmy neutron and so you've got this guy who still looks like prince eric but he sounds like yakko water <laughs> yeah. like, he doesn't speak much in the film but i was like what a strange casting decision yeah. to cast rob paulson in that role um, so I thought I'd bring that up because <laughs> whew, scraping the the hull of the ship for content mm. for these sequels. Uh, and so much so, we've already moved on to dumb IMDb trivia, the final section for Little Mermaid 2, <laughs> talking about this movie for just over 10 minutes. Um, in this film, most of the characters that appeared in the original become more mature and wiser. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens with age. This is the only film in the franchise where Ariel does not cry. <laughs> <laughs> she loses that her means, daughter and it <laughs> doesn't cry. That means that this film was written after The Little Mermaid 3 came out in 2008, so someone was still adding trivia yeah, yeah. To, to this page. Uh, Melody is the very first human merperson hybrid in history, making her birth a significant historic moment in both human and Atlantic in history. Now, it means within the world of the film, but yeah. it doesn't specify that up top. It's, it's so like, funny. When, when I first read that, I was like, The Little Mermaid 2 did not invent human mer- yeah. merperson hybrid. I was like, oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> It's not real. <laughs> Jody Benson, the voice of Ariel in real life, has a daughter named Delaney Benson. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. That's one of the most bewildering pieces of dumb IMDb trivia I've ever read. Because I'm trying to figure <laughs> we say out. that about we, we come up with some hyperbole for every single one. Okay, no, okay, let's let's rearrange that so that the piece of trivia is actually vaguely. A piece of trivia. So the the point of interest here is saying that er- the voice actress of Ariel, who has a daughter in this movie, also has a daughter mm. in real life, which isn't interesting. Yeah. But there you go. And but it's clarifying her name is Delaney, not Melody. Yeah. The Little Mermaid Two came out with some merchandise for EG computer game and a PlayStation game. Now I need a clarify the structure of the sentence mm-hmm. i read it again the little mermaid 2 came out with some mer- merchandise for e dot g dot open parentheses computer game <laughs> and a playstation game clothes parentheses <laughs> well so, so it's like they're, they're using eg to actually sub in for the word example yes but then the examples yeah. are, are in parentheses instead of just listed after eg Mm. which is how you do that. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, EG should be inside the parentheses. Yeah. 
Richard, do you have anything else you'd like to say about The Little Mermaid 2, Return to the Sea? No. There must be something else we can talk about with this one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, like let, let's talk. I because you said like, yeah. Well, the the premise. I'm kind of. Uh, it, it's it's so obvious in some ways, but then in other ways, it's like, yeah, like just do it. Like know? the the surf and turf switch. Yeah. What do you think of uh, Morgana, the skinny Ursula? <laughs> uh, I think Vo- also voiced by um, what's her name, Pat uh, Carol. Pat Carroll, yeah. Also voiced by Pat Carroll, so she plays mm. both characters. And Buddy Hackett comes back as Scuttle. This is his last performance before he died. Mm. Uh, he's also R. from um, The Love Bug, the original Love Bug. Uh, and Clancy Brown as well, we got. I do, yeah. Okay. I, who is also <laughs> in Jack and Dexter. Uh, he plays Baron Praxis oh. in Jack 2. So it's a little bit of a reunion yeah. uh, three years before the game came out. All right, <laughs> we're going to move on now to The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Beginning, which came out in 2008, directed by Peggy Holmes. That's a female director, um, which sucks oh. because I have nothing good to say about this movie. Uh, it has, what do you think it has on Ron Tomatoes? 11. It's got 33%. It's actually quite high. It's higher than I thought it would be. Mm. Um, and crazy that it has a score at all. What <laughs> yeah. is The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Beginning about? Uh, so little moment. It's set before um the original film, and it opens with like a a prologue where King Triton and his wife Queen Athena. They have they've got their seven daughters who all start with A. Um, all their names start with A, and Ariel's the youngest one. And music is everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, but then uh, Athena is killed when um she tries to recover a music box from a, a, a pirate ship um and then king Triton how does she devastated. die again I, I missed completely missed how she died she's stuck between a rock and a hard place that hard place being a ship crashing into the rock. damn just like um mel gibson's wife and signs yeah yeah who's actually played by mel gibson's wife as well <laughs> Oh, wow. I think so. Yeah, and so uh, Triton bans all music from Atlantica, and then it cuts to later, um, like right before the events of the film. and The first film. The original film, sorry. And yeah, we, we see Ariel meet Flounder, uh, and then Ariel kind of has a love of music, but is forced to keep it in secret. And uh, Sebastian the crab is, the Jamaican crab, sorry, is... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of told to keep Ariel online, and then they find out that he's got like this underground jazz club, <laughs> yeah. Um, that Triton doesn't know about, which kind of explains why he sings under the sea in the first film, despite you know being the the royal loyal right hand crab mm. to King Triton, and you know he obviously hates music, but yeah, yeah, I guess that that was explained. <laughs> um, and. Yeah, there's also a bad guy in the film voiced by Sally Field. Yeah. Called, like, Lana Del Rey or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her name's uh, something Marina, Del Rey. Ma- Marina Del Rey. <laughs> and uh, Jim Cummings now voices King Triton, um, mm. so he sounds like Megatron. <laughs> I was going to say Winnie the Pooh. I don't associate mm. that voice with Megatron at all. <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. Uh, but he's doing his Megatron voice. Right, right, okay. So what did you think of The Little Mermaid Ariel's beginning? Uh, I preferred it. Really interesting. Um, yeah, wait, no, not Megatron. Isn't He's not Megatron, is he? He's Optimus Prime, is he? Wait. Peter Cushing is Optimus Prime. 
I don't think Peter Cummings plays any Transformers. Jim Cummings. Yeah, maybe he's Jim not. Cummings. Fuck. He plays Winnie the Pooh in Tigger 2. Yeah, yeah. He's in... Oh, he's in a couple. He plays Afterburner. <laughs> he sounds like Afterburner. Right, that's what you meant, eh? Hey? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, King Trident sounds like Afterburner. <laughs> uh, I thought this was such a slog to get through, but going back to what I said about music being intrinsically linked to the story, it is a cool mm. prince- pr- premise for the Little Mermaid prequel to re-emphasize and reframe the significance of music in Atlantica. Mm. However... Literally the only song I can remember from this movie is a cover of Jump in the Line, uh, which acts as like a recurring musical motif throughout the movie. So we don't have an original song in this movie. We have shake, 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 Sonora, shake your body, right? And I was like, what are they doing? Why is this? Yeah, yeah. Why are they using an actual song? And it it happens so often. It's like frequently throughout the movie. I thought that was, that sucked. <laughs> it's so weird yeah. that they didn't make original music for it. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I preferred this to the second one, but it's it has more going for it than the second one. Yeah, and I, and again, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like this being like the a backdoor pilot for a TV show, hypothetically, I think I prefer like this as like a oh yeah, let's see what she was up to. Like, mm-hmm. and then you know you have this as the pilot, which establishes like the music thing, and then the underground club would be like a reoccurring place in the TV show um right. and then she just does mermaid shit you know <laughs> don't don't bother me while i'm doing hot mermaid shit um, <laughs> the, i i think because the movie starts when they're like maybe like five years old and then the majority yeah. of it takes place when as you say just before the first film like i feel i'm i wish the whole movie was like baby ariel i feel like that'd be at least they would feel like there's more variety in what we're seeing you know like it's a a different version of the character whereas she basically just looks like yeah, the regular ariel. I, I i disagree i th- i i i didn't like baby ariel why not adorable little baby ariel yeah i don't know i, I don't know I, I don't think i i i didn't i wasn't interested in seeing a full movie of her I just don't like mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought um, Sebastian once again steals the show here. The, 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 as I said, all three movies would be better if they were told through Sebastian's point of view. Like the story of like the hand of the king who hates music having to sneak away to underground nightclubs and do, in order to like indulge his passion for singing. Mm. Compelling. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I've got one piece of dumb IMDb trivia for this movie. Uh, as children, Ariel and her sisters do not speak, not counting their laughs and worried gasping. In the prologue, Triton and Athena do all the talking. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't mean they don't speak. What are you talking about? Yeah. Anyway, uh, Richard, unless you have something else to say about Little Mermaid Ariel's beginning, I'm sorry, but that's all I had to... This is like... The most this interesting thing about it is what we've already said that this was the last um, director video mm. sequel. Yeah, I shouldn't have. I should have saved that. For yeah, me. that was that blew my fucking mind, dude. <laughs> um, well, it's all been downhill since then. How about I continue to try and blow your mind, Richard, with some randomly placed useless statistics? It's been a while since we've done this segment. Mm. Um, it's it, it went away for a long time because one of our producers told us not to do it anymore. Um, fuck you, Jeremy, piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Everyone message Jeremy and tell him, fuck you. <laughs> and the reason for this is because it's kind of a self-indulgent um, 
section. Basically, I'm going to re- tell you a bunch of stats which relate to movies we've watched in our podcast and how this uh, franchise fits into it. So... Mm-hmm. This is our fourth franchise to feature the voice talent of Jodie Benson, who plays Ariel. She also provides the voices for the for characters in Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure, 101 Dalmatians 2, Patch's London Adventure, and is, of course, the voice of Barbie in the Toy Story movies. <laughs> Um, while she doesn't play Barbie in the Barbie movies, this is our second franchise after Barbie to feature mermaids, where one of the characters is voiced by Jodie Benson in a movie. It just happens to not be a movie from that <laughs> franchise. Yeah. Um, Jodie Benson also provides the voice of Thumbelina in Don Bluth's 1994 critically panned animated film Thumbelina, and there was a Barbie Thumbelina movie, meaning the Barbie franchise features at least two characters who are played by Jodie Benson and other universe versions of that character. (laughs) Thumbelina and Barbie. Mind blown. Um, and you'd also expect uh, six seasons into a podcast about movie franchises, you'd have expected us to cover quite a few of these Disney milking classics for cheap mm. sequels, you know? And, like, considering how long we talked about uh, the second two films, <laughs> maybe it's good that this hasn't happened. Um, <laughs> because after Lady and the Tramp and 101 Dalmatians, The Jungle Book, uh, Lilo and Stitch, and, like, arguably The Brave Little Toaster, though I feel like that's a different category Mm. um are the only other franchises of this category that we've done meaning the little mermaid is not only our first disney renaissance franchise but also our first animated disney franchise with diminishing returns straight to dvd sequels since 2017 four years ago also of note all of those episodes were from 2017 (laughs) wow like, so 2017 just had this string of Disney movies with, with straight-to-DVD sequels, and then we never did another one until today. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, like, the, it, does every film in the in the, rena- in the Renaissance era have multiple sequels like that? Because Beauty and the Beast, I know, has three. Aladdin has three. Lion King has more than that. Um, Pocahontas, I know, at least has a second one. Does it have a third one? And I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll just look it up. Uh, Pocahontas only only has a second one. Um, Hercules only has a second one, but also a TV series. Um, Her- no, sorry, the Hercules one is the t- is the first yeah. three episodes yeah, of right. the TV series. Though. Um, Tarzan has Tarzan and Jane, and and the third one's called Tarzan Two. Um, <laughs> and then uh, what about Mulan? Mulan, Mulan has, has a, has a, a yeah. second one and a live action remake as well. Interesting. Yeah. So it's really only. Um, uh hercules didn't i don't know if hercules one's count one counts although it is a released as a film um and mm. there was never a rescuers down under sequel but it is a sequel down up oh uh was there a um a, a hunchback of notre dame one yeah there oh, was yeah, yeah. it's yeah. got Haley joel osmond in it oh, yeah. um so yeah we've done none of those series it, it's yeah, so it's weird good. which which of the renaissance films would you most want to do on film franchise Fortnite? uh I mean, the Lion King's probably the most rewarding one. I think. I think Ala- the Aladdin sequels are cool, especially yeah, um, yeah, King, King of Thieves. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I thought that was interesting that we've covered so few. Yes, yeah. I do also want to do Cinderella because apparently the third one's fucking <laughs> a sick. twist in time or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. 
All right, now we've got Continue the Franchise. So this is our segment where we pitch new continuations of the Little Mermaid franchise. But before we get to that, there are a couple of significant continuations of the Little Mermaid. Outside of film, uh, as we mentioned before, there was a 1992 TV series which went for three seasons and is set before the events of the first film but after the events of the third film. But it apparently contradicts several plot yeah. elements there's like inconsistency so i don't know which one is canon i pres- i presume the tv show is probably better than the third movie i've only fallen asleep to the tv show i've never properly watched it nice. but all the voice talent returned because you know what else are they doing mm. <laughs> atlantica is also one of the main levels in kingdom hearts one and two uh ariel joins your party and you have to go fight ursula at the end and the main thing i remember when you fight ursula is the she goes ah, <laughs> and then flotsam and jetsam who are her two eel pets go there is no escape and that loop plays non-stop so you're fighting Ursula right, and yeah, all you yeah. hear is ah, ha, 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 there is no escape ah, ha, 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 there is no escape it was horrible nice. I didn't pl- my brother played this game and I think in the in the in Kingdom Hearts 2 you go to Atlantica and you have to do like interactive songs so you do an interactive like quick time event with under the sea um mm. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, Most significantly, though, The Little Mermaid is not safe from the increasingly less appealing trend of live action (laughs) remakes of Disney classics. That's right, everybody. The Little Mermaid is getting a live action remake, which is being directed by Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides' Rob Marshall, a film which also features mermaids, uh, and started (laughs) filming this year and will star Halle Bailey as Ariel, Javier Bardem as King Triton, David Diggs as Sebastian, Jacob Tremblay as Flounder, Aquafina as Scuttle, and to top off a pretty exciting cast with one of the most boring casting decisions ever, uh, Melissa McCarthy. Kathy is Ursula. Uh, oh, I like she's she's a good actress. Really, I think there are way more. In, like, remember when Lady Gaga was being rumored to play? Yeah, Ursula? that was cool. And um, can you uh, imagine her singing "Poor Unfortunate Souls"? It would sound awesome. Yeah, fuck yeah. Even even Queen Latifah, who plays her in the live, um, mm. or um, Laverne Cox. Who's that? Um, the she's in um. Uh, she's the transgender actress that's like a, a big activist and she's in um, Orange is the New Black oh, and she's yeah. also on yeah, Promising yeah, yeah. Young Woman which we'll be talking about next week nice um, so I don't know I th- I just was so it feels like like all these other casting decisions are so inspired and then it's like Melissa McCarthy because she's got the body shape and is an actress like uh, yeah. it's like it's like how for ages whenever someone wanted to cast an asian person in something it would uh, Stephen <laughs> Stephen Yeun every time it feels like th- like we want we have the heart of progressives where we're like oh you should cast um you know t- the one fat actress i know sorry I, <laughs> I can say this as a fat person i feel um, yeah. um but yeah I, I i reckon she'll be able to have fun with it and it, it's mm. better than i don't know reba wilson I yeah it, it is, but I just think that Ursula is a role that commands a little more flavour than yeah because because Ursula's based on the drag queen Divine as well yeah, yeah. um and yeah like yeah to, to to do a more kind of like flamboyant casting and like Lady Gaga would be that mm. um yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah I don't know I, I like I'm I'm cautiously excited about the um the Little Mermaid one. Like, 
I'm sure the 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 photorealistic crab and flounder are gonna look terrifying. Aquafina as Scuttle, which and I believe they're making Scuttle a diving bird so that Scuttle mm-hmm. can appear underwater. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And Rob Marshall, yeah, on Stranger Tides is a bad movie, but he directed Chicago, and so it's like he's definitely familiar. Also a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's also he's, he's definitely familiar with like musicals and and how to kind of bring a musical to screen. And uh, yeah, I don't know, like because also the other big thing about this is yeah, Lin Manuel Lin Manuel Miranda is doing uh, new music for it with Alan Menken. Yeah, with Alan Minkin. Four new songs, including, quote, some rapping. (laughs) Uh, But, like, I don't know. I would kind of love to see if, you know, you make this a wall-to-wall musical like Hamilton, keep the um, the Howard Ashman songs where they are, and then just add in, make everything else sung and make it. And it's like, yeah, you're doing something new while kind of still keeping the original. And and Harry Styles was... um, considering playing prince eric which would have been real cool to have him in it um but then he was like oh i'm, I'm going on tour and it kind of didn't line up but then COVID 19 meant he couldn't go on tour and he'd already turned down the role right it's going to some other guy whose name i didn't write down because i couldn't recognize him yeah because who uh, cares I, I don't think it's going to be a wall-to-wall musical though yeah like i, I don't think it will be but i'm I, I, I would love if they did something exciting with it rather than I'm sure it'll just end up feeling like um, because you know, David Diggs has said that, that they're going to bring more more power back to Ariel and, and it is one of the ones that's kind of in need of a of a feminist retelling. Yeah, yeah I, I worry that it'll be like do, do the thing, do, do the, the whole movie the exact same, but then just give her like a couple more girl power songs and call it a day, <laughs> you know, um, like. It's it, it, like it's it's not going to feel earned, or it's not going to feel like baked into the story because they're not. I presume they're not going to want to mess with like the Howard Ashman classics. But yeah, I, I don't know. I would like to see them just yeah do something really different rather than just the kind of paint by numbers ones they've done yeah. already. But um, also the, 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 there's talk that this is going to focus on Ariel's relationship with her mother. Oh wow! Um, and King and Queen Athena is going to be in it. So I mean that that could be something something else. But yeah, the yeah the four four is a lot of new songs for a disney remake as mm. well like the other ones haven't had four new songs and it, and it's maybe because you've got lin manuel miranda on board so it's like well let's put more music in it yeah. um so you know maybe that could be end up spread out to wall-to-wall music yeah, yeah i think i think I'm not going to say this could be the best Disney live action remake because I said that about the last couple. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sick of thinking that only to be like horribly let down. Mulan was supposed to be the first good one and it ended up like maybe being the worst one. So <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know what to say anymore. I, th- I will say I am certainly less attached to The Little Mermaid as I was to like Aladdin or The Lion yeah. King. And so I'm not going to be as offended by changes. When it's inevitably prepared. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but I also think, yeah, it, it has the most, the bones have the, the, the bones of the story can be built on in a really interesting way. But I mean, mm. and at the, at the end of the day, I would rather they didn't remake these movies anyway. Like I'm only like being yeah. like, well, if you're going to remake them, then do this, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my continue the franchise, I want to reimagine the series as, um, a, a trilogy of cringe comedies, Richard. 
uh, where the first one is called Meet the Royals, and it's about Ariel meeting Prince Eric's family. But she's really embarrassing, and she's real cringy, and she flushes Mm -hmm. the toilet and doesn't know how to behave on land. And then in the sequel, um, Prince Eric's family go under the sea to uh, meet Ariel's parents in Meet the Mermaids. And then like 10 years later, we get a sequel where we meet Ariel and Eric's children, and that's called Little Mermaids. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Yeah, that's how I'm doing all my continue the franchises now. I'm looking for common words in previous franchises and just pitching that. (laughs) Mm. What is your continue the franchise? Uh, I would like to see um, a... a, a, I did not think of one. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> oh my god, this is unprecedented. My my well, my pitch of um of how I would do the live action film adaptation or like how mm. I think they should do it was kind of where okay. I put my thinking forward um things onto. Um yeah, but I mean I, essentially that's mine. I, I was spitballing some ideas in the shower before, I think. Um of uh <laughs> doing um so let's let's catch up with ariel now and she's all grown up and she's got chain smoking (laughs) yeah 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 exactly um and but but the whole idea was that i was going to explain my the plot to the film so yeah it would be yeah chain smoking like like the pitch we got for the the lizzie mcguire revival where it's like now now dealing with adult problems or the the upcoming powerpuff girls live action tv series um Mm -hmm. and it's yeah no like the 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 mermaid days are but a distant memory from her kind of thing it's she's in therapy to be because she's and being told like you know you were never actually a mermaid like you know you have some unresolved trauma um and but she's all grown up now and she's no longer a little mermaid she's a little big <laughs> just doing the same joke i did with spy kids that they were now adult kids <laughs> i said the little big what about little mermaids and it's little woman but it's little mermaids yeah but yeah that's good it's just a remake of little women now we're going to to rank this franchise richard with the um oh this is on our letterboxd Letterbox slash Cold Popshire, letterbox.com slash Cold Popshire. We've we've watched 123 franchises for this podcast, and we're going to rank uh that number has changed, by the way, because I got bullied in the Discord to removing uh the Hobbit trilogy from as, you as a separate bullied franchise yourself. Well ones. actually if we if we if we I maybe got, deserved it, but I didn't Hobbit, bully myself. <laughs> um <laughs> we uh we then need, probably need to move Lord of the Rings. No, because Lord of the Rings was in that place because of its the anchor that was the Hobbit dragging it down. Like that consideration was already in place. We'll do a re people want us to do a re ranking episode. We'll do a re ranking episode. Right, right. Uh The Little Mermaid, okay. I think it probably needs to go quite low because as a franchise, mm. it's almost you know, net zero, if not net negative. Mm. Um, And I'm looking at at where we've placed other things. We've got the Jungle Book at 77, and right under that we've got 101 Dalmatians at 78. Uh, Beneath that is Legally Blonde. Um, I would say this is probably, I probably enjoyed this more than the Jungle Book. Yeah. Um, I I enjoy it more than Ace Ventura. Which is above the Jungle Book. And then we've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 
the 2014 series, which maybe we need to fucking delete because multi-part franchises aren't a thing anymore. Yeah. Um, so did you like it? Do you like The Little Mermaid? More? I, don't, I probably don't like it more than the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. 2014 ones? Yeah. Uh, sure, yeah, let's chuck it there. All right, at 76, that's where we're ranking it. And Richard, now we've got to go to our Patreon. We've got to go to our Patreon to find out what the next franchise we're going to do is. Uh, because mm. if you donate only a dollar, as little as a dollar, over at patreon.com slash you get to suggest and vote on which franchise we'll cover next. And boy howdy, has there been um, activity on our Patreon mm. regarding the uh, the current uh, vote. Um, a lot of our patrons want it to be April, as in eight monkeys. They want to do monkey monkey mm-hmm. movies. Monkey movies? <laughs> uh, and so they've suggested a bunch of monkey movies. We've got the likes of uh, King Kong and Doolittle and um, uh, every, which, every Which Way But Loose and Any Which Way But Any Which Way You Can. And Bedtime for Bonzo, which stars Ronald Reagan. (laughs) Um, But the winner um, with... It's so funny, man. (laughs) Basically, it came down to Planet of the Apes versus MVP. This is what people the the, the like scales the imbalance the you know the the scales rebalanced throughout the week, mm. uh, and what's what's interesting about it from a content creation perspective is that um, I know I know it's just episodes to you listeners, but the mental prep I have to do between watching eight Planet of the Apes movies, which would be split over two fortnights mm. if we got it, and MVP, which is uh, Earbud but with a monkey. Um, the, di- the 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 difference in in mental preparation I have to do for those two things is night and day. There are two types of film franchise Fortnite's episodes. There are episodes where we do franchises like Planet of the Apes, and there are episodes where we do franchises like MVP. We're, we're, yeah, there's there's the ones where it takes over your week, and then yeah. there's the ones where you forget about it until a couple of days before you record. Yeah, I'm happy and to say I, MVP is the, would be the, the winner. Letter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the MVP has won April. Uh, MVP is going to be... Okay, we'll work this out before we record it next week, uh, but the the Dan is saying it's a trilogy, most valuable primate, most vertical primate, most extreme primate, which, God, I love those titles. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I, there's another film in the Airbud brand called Spy Mate, which until very recently... Because um, I had I'd had my eye on this franchise, um, I'd been led to believe was canon in the MVP universe. I'm not sure what the situation is there. I uh, the, the, the the ruling I, is that it's not. I didn't think this was going to win, so I didn't look into it. No, it, it's been it's been looked into, uh, and it is not part of it. Um, it's just it's made by the same studio and features the same animal. Hmm. Um, but they're not. They're not. Is the related. animal the same character though? No, no, no. They're, they're different. It's like it's literally just like the. It's the same as Tim Burton making multiple films with Johnny Depp. It's Robert Vince made multiple films with a, a primate. Oh, I, I forgot that name, Robert Vince. God, 
there is no escape. Ah, <laughs> there is no escape. We are returning once again to the Airbud cinematic universe, or at least the 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 Airbud adjacent universe. Yeah. Um, to talk about the MVP trilogy next week. Are you excited? Next, next fortnight, fortnight. Are you excited? Yeah. Um. Is this yeah. what you want, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> but th- this was like the most votes a franchise has ever had because not only did it gain 19 votes on its own um it's it was suggested twice and, and the other one the other suggestion has four votes <laughs> um so which I mean, by the way we we have we currently have 59 patrons and for a for a, a podcast with 59 patrons not a lot of people are voting in these in these one dollar like our lowest tier reward mm. um so if you're listening to this and you do support us on Patreon, like you can you can change votes dramatically. Uh. <laughs> we would like the majority of people don't vote, I guess. I don't know why. Um so yeah, that's a little shout out for that. Uh but other than that, if you have enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to Cold Popture. Hey, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Cold Hey, please consider getting some Wildberry Lodge Coffee Company cold brew mm. if you live in New yes. Zealand. Yes, because if you do, we will receive uh, more cold brew coffee from them and more money from them, I assume. Mm. Um <laughs> so you make it all worth it basically is what i'm asking you all to do uh and also find us on facebook instagram twitter youtube there's two youtube channels one is called cold popsha which is just all our video essays and one is called cold popsha again which is where we post our podcasts and things like that um so get in amongst that uh we're also on discord there'll be a link to the discord in the co- in the show notes join the discord come say hi we will talk to you directly it is not a situation where you talk to the fans and sometimes the creators get involved we probably talk more than anyone else in that discord um so mm. get involved there just try shutting <laughs> us up come to the discord and try try and stop me from talking to you yep uh and also on tiktok cold popsha on tiktok an account i have very much neglected in favor of my personal account aj from cold popsha uh which has a lot more uh followers so i've i've dropped everything and focused on that instead um and stay hanging around for the post-credit scene coming up after this music dies out um yeah. mermaid what's by and mermaid i don't know <laughs> hey everyone thanks for st- Checking it out through that episode. You're here with the Cop Option Boys. Hello. We're doing a post credit scene. Uh, what is a post credit scene? You tell me. It is a segment on our show where if you pay $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to talk to us about something, anything you want. We've we've answered some hairy questions in this part of the show before. So mm, We've answered some smooth ones as well <laughs> so feel free to ask us anything uh and we will answer it this is the post credit scene patreon.com slash cop option to get involved yeah all right uh today's tuition comes to us from uh <laughs> uh, uh I, I keep looking at them and like oh shit we just did one of their ones <laughs> last week um but we're gonna do them again and that's what happens um dylan hutton asks us barring covid 
If you didn't live in New Zealand, where would you want to live? I think Dylan Hutton was literally last week's one. He was. <laughs> Have you ever crapped your pants in public as an adult? <laughs> well, two in a row. Uh, where would you want to live, AJ? Uh, I would have always said America up until about a year ago. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> um, I, Boy, do I feel stupid that it's been my fucking lifelong yeah. dream to go <laughs> yeah, there. Um, since it's such a fucking cesspool. Like, we could have taken um, Colt Popsha to America, you know? Like, this was... Yeah. absolutely something that i could see you know maybe in a few years like if if covid hadn't happened barring covid as dylan put it i could see us mm. like moving to america together and and taking the show on the road and maybe it'd be a bit more successful than it is now i could see that happening uh but now i don't want to fucking go near the place <laughs> uh, i uh, to be fair i do genuinely still like really want to go there and there's a lot of things i really like about the u.s um or in in theory because i haven't been there and i know that and probably fucking our u.s fans are listening to this going like they think they don't they don't know how culturally diverse (laughs) america is and how like how much you know varies from state to state um but that's the thing you know i'm I'm interested in the whole thing i I like each part of the u.s appeals to me in in a different way um yeah i i would i would love to it's like my dream to take you know two to four months off work and just fucking road trip across oh, the, yeah, the, the entire year, continental united states um but then oh, what I, about I guess hawaii and said, alaska we got I, listeners from both those places yeah um yeah well i mean yeah i, I said continental united states which is you know kind of what what covers there but anyway um well, I yeah thought hawaii would be a cool opposite. place it's continental now you're thinking of co- Continental breakfast. Ah, oh, no, I thought continental meant everything on the continent. Well, uh, the, the, continental United States. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, so it, it includes Alaska. Oh, no. But. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Making me fucking do research. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, okay, yeah, it doesn't include, um, uh, it, it excludes the non-contiguous states of Alaska and Hawaii, um, and all other offshore insular areas such as American Samoa, the Virgin Islands, the Marine Islands, Guam, and Puerto Rico. Well, well, um, okay, well. Okay, so I was right. What? <laughs> How are you right? That's what I said. No, I yeah, I said you know the the continent do do a road trip across the continental United States. So I'm saying that I'm not visiting Alaska and Hawaii. Oh, and then I said, what about Alaska and Hawaii? And then I thought you said, yeah, I said the continental. Yeah, yeah, I did, and I meant I'm excluding them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were saying no, no. I said continental. I'll also be going to these other places. Uh. 
No, no. You, um, fuck you, well, fuck you narrowly miss being wrong. Every time <laughs> I've accused you of being incorrect about something, you and it's, it always adds up as well. I'm not saying you're lying. I'm saying like <laughs> you fucking you you pass through by a hair every time. <laughs> fuck, that's good. That's what that that we, n- next week when um uh. <laughs> Uh, who is it? When Jensen, um, when we answer Jensen's what moment in the podcast are you most proud of? <laughs> Keep that in mind as one of mine okay. um, when you said I narrowly miss being wrong. 